Dr. Amalia Ganyas Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today is corporate titan Ms. Puti Mahanyele, who is currently the executive chairperson of Sigma Capital. She is known as a trailblazer in a predominantly male-dominated industry and for over 10 years held the position of Chief Executive Officer at Shinduka Group, one of the leading South African investment holding companies. She has received several accolades, including Forbes Africa 2014 Businesswoman of the Year. In 2011, she was named as one of Forbes' 20 youngest power women in Africa. In 2008, the Wall Street Journal named her as one of the top 50 women in the world to watch. And in 2007, she was selected by the World Economic Forum as a global young leader. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, to start with, going through your list of accolades and achievements, it's a phenomenal success. You you. are the former CEO of Shinduka Group, which was a multi-billion rand diversified African investment holding company. And under Mm. your leadership, Shinduka held a diversified portfolio of both listed and unlisted investments with holdings in various sectors, including resources, telecoms, real estate, energy, industrials and food and beverage across various jurisdictions, including South Africa, Nigeria, Mozambique, Mauritius and Ghana. It's an impressive set of achievements. Can you please share with us a few of the landmarks in your career? And when you realized that the finance sector and corporate investments would be such a big part of your destiny? Well, thank you very much. Thank you, firstly, for for this opportunity. Um, I I have to say that, you know, um, this this wasn't uh, the the career that that I had wasn't one that I thought of um, immediately because I remember when I was in matric and my father asked me, um, what I'd like to become, um, all I could think of was to become a ballerina, and that's what I told him. Um, but he already had some thoughts, um, and, and, and me being the kind of daughter that listened very much to um, her parents, um, I did exactly what my father wanted me to do, um, which was to study for a Bachelor of um, Economics um, and then to do an MBA. Um, and, you know, I then... You know, so I, I did the uh, BA in economics, um, and whilst doing the MBA, it was then that I began to see that, you know, I could actually um, get into um, this industry um, where I could be looking at investment banking transactions. Um, and, and, and that was really a, a pivotal moment for me because I think in as much as someone might have a dream or a thought of what they'd like you to do, um, you're the one that has to buy into it. Um, and it was really at that point, whilst doing my MBA thesis, that it really came together for me. And so, you know, I would say that for me, the, the greatest, um, you know, um, of, of, of the opportunities that, that I had was in the, the people that I worked with. Um, I worked with a number of incredible people in, in the various corporations, um, that I was employed in. Um, but one such that, that comes to memory um, was the organization that I worked for when I was in New York um, called Fieldstone Private Capital Group, um, where a man by the name of Andrew Kapitman, um, 
helped me quite significantly. And um, that was a time in my career where I had done something that seemingly appeared not to make any sense in that I had left a management role in a corporation to go and do an internship um, in an organization that wasn't offering any formal employment um, opportunities for me. Um, but I did that, and through um, the, you know, the type of work, um, and I guess perhaps the quality of work that they saw from me, um, I was then offered a job after the six-month internship, um, and I ended up working for them for about seven years, and through that was able to work my way up from being an intern um, to being an analyst, to being an associate, uh, associate director, and uh, finally at um, you know, um, I got to be vice president, um, and that was at the time that I decided that I wanted to go into another organization. And I wanted to work for a South African um, organization, and so upon coming back home, um, I decided that I would work for, um, well, I had opportunities from both the DBSA and IDC once my CV was out in the market. Um, and I chose to go along with the DBSA as the job that they were offering, which was head of project finance, was very much in line with the work that I had been doing at Fieldstone. Um, and I understood that very well. So I went into the DBSA. And just for our listeners, the DBSA is the Development Bank of Southern Africa. That's correct, yes. And, and um, so upon leaving uh, the DBSA, that's when um, I... Uh, was on my way to, to Standard Bank, uh, who had offered me a job. Um, but um, that, that was also another interesting time when um, I had this phone call from a former colleague, and his name is Rowan Smith. Um, and he had been talking to me for at least about two years about coming to join them at a company that at the time was called Millennium Consolidated Investments, but became known as Shanduka Group. Um, and the company at the time, I think, was about two years old, and he asked me to come and join them. And um, But I, I wasn't really clear that it was the right opportunity for me. And one day he called me, and then he told me to hang on, and he handed the phone over to Mr. Ramaphosa. And, and, and that's how that started, because essentially I then had the opportunity to meet with Mr. Ramaphosa, and upon meeting him, I decided that that's that's where I wanted to go. And it, it, it was an incredible journey. Well, thanks for sharing your journey. It really sure. has been a, a wonderful success story. Thank you. I'd like to touch into a couple of things. Increasingly, sure. I've been having a, a greater awareness and appreciation of how one's environment shapes one in terms of, of what you're doing. And yes. Your MBA, you attained it in America. I think it was Rutgers. You then went on to do your first sort of, I suppose, formal work in the corporate sector in America as well. That really is the hub of the financial world. So how do you think that that shaped and helped influence you into who you are? Well, I think it it really um, helped me um, a lot. And and by the way, I must just say that I I did my undergrad degree in America, but I did my master's in the UK. Um, And, you know, and and, and whilst I worked in in America in the early years, I had already worked for INJ in Cape Town 
um, and also national circumstances in Johannesburg. So this was the third job that, that I was uh, taking on. But I was still, I was still very young. Um, but it shaped me significantly. It shaped me in terms of really understanding the importance of hard work. I mean, if there is any place in the world where I saw hard work, that was it. Um, and and it, was, it was really, really significant for me in that, um, I, you know, it, 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 hard work was just such a, a normal part of how you approached anything that you did because it, it was a highly competitive environment. I mean, in, in my place, you know, my place of work, um, the people that I was working with were all from these Ivy League universities, and I had never attended an Ivy League university, and so... I knew that I had to work even harder in order to prove my capability. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it was a very tough environment. Um, nobody would want to work with you or give you work because they liked you or anything, stuff like that. It was all based on your skill and your capability. Um, but being in that environment, I think, and particularly at that age, I was still in my early 20s, um, was very important for me because it shaped my approach to my work, um, and you know, and, and and that which perhaps may appear as you know too hard uh, became my normal, you know, um, and I'm very thankful for that, um, you know. But at the same time, whilst I learned, you know, all the good ethics of working hard and all of that, um, I, I did also pick up. Um, you know, I, well, I, I guess I didn't pick up a lot of, uh, there, there was a number of good aspects um, that I missed out on, which were really around um, leadership. Um, so whilst being in New York was brilliant for me um, in, in my working capacity and how I approached my work, um, from a leadership perspective, um, it wasn't the right environment for me. And I picked that up really in South Africa the ability to lead people and appreciate different professionals for their capabilities um, and not to judge people on the basis of the hours that they spent in the work environment, but to judge people on the basis of the outcome of the work that they did in the time that they were in the office. So those are some of the things that, you know, um, that, that were important for me in my development as, as a leader in business. Quality outputs at the end of the day is all that matters. Uh, really, that's Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, our program, Womanity, Women in Unity, is all about gender equality. Yes. And in the environment that you've come from, which is male-dominated, but we start to see that there is transformation taking place. Yes. Nonetheless, gender equality is becoming more and more of a global focus. And there yeah. have been a number of challenges. There have also been successes, particularly in the domain of women's legal rights. What areas do you think still need attention with respect to women? I think, I actually think that the whole area needs attention. Actually, you know, my view is that we, we seem to have regrets. You know, um, there was a time when you know, I know that the Business Women's Association comes up with a census every year where they'll talk about the number of women who are in uh, different executive positions, women who are CEOs and all of that. But I, mean, I know, know, but that census, yeah. every time I see it, those numbers are just not moving. Huh? 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I really, I honestly believe that we need, you know, we, we, we need to come, you know, we need to do something that will create the wake-up call that's required in corporate South Africa because we just seem to have gone backwards insofar as, as women are concerned. I mean, when I think of listed organizations and I think of women who are CEOs of those organizations, you know, I can actually only think of one in the form of EPSA, and, and, and that's uh, Maria Ramos. Um, and then, of course, there's Mickey uh, Newton-King, who's at the JSE. But, I mean, you know, obviously that's, that's more of a regulatory type of organization. Um, it's not a, a you know, um, it, 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 it's, it's not necessarily, a, you know, um, a listed organization as such. So it's, but it's, you know, we, we are seeing this drop in, in the number of women in CEO positions. Um, and, you know, whilst you can have women chairing boards, I honestly don't believe that to chair a board um, or to be on the board of an organization is in any way um, something that can be indicative of the executive position of women in those organizations. Um, you know, I think it is important to have women who are filling um, executive roles in, in the organization and also to have more women in the CEO role. You know, and, and when you take into account the fact that we have a significant number of women who are graduating from universities, the question becomes, well, what happens to them? Where are they? Why is it that we're not seeing these women coming up into these positions? And you know, I've had a number of conversations with different women, um, and particularly also just given um, the amount of, you know, um, significant amount of violence towards women um, that we have seen being reported in the media. Um, I've spoken to other women leaders around, you know, what I see as regression, um, around, you know, the, the importance of women playing leadership roles um, in business, you know, and, and I say business because that's where I am. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's something that really needs our attention and, and we really need to play more of a focus on it so that the young women of today can see that they have the capability and, and that the fact that you are a woman and are somebody that, you know, will have children and become a wife and all of that, that should not stand in the way of you also being a leader in the work that you do. Um, and, and so really I believe that it's something that requires significant attention. There was a time a few years ago when there was a lot of attention, particularly from the public sector, uh, with regards to you know having senior women in organizations. Um, but it, it seems to, to have really regressed, particularly in, in the private sector. And the private sector has never been a leader. Of, of the um, the significant empowerment, the real empowerment of women. It hasn't. And, and, and empowerment of women, we have to see leadership. Yeah. Private sector, you're 100% right, it hasn't. But yet yeah. that is our economic generator. We have got to have businesses. We have got to have people contributing meaningfully in society and for women Absolutely. to move ahead. And in Absolutely. The, in the public space, Yes, I think we're doing very well, and I must say I'm proud of our government for yeah, achieving yeah. what it has mm. at the moment, yeah, 42% yeah. representation in Parliament. 
But yeah. perhaps it goes back to the legislation part. We had the yeah. Women Empowerment and Gender Equality Bill, which was went through motions, but unfortunately it lapsed. And the whole premise of that was about being able to achieve 50-50 decision-making parity of women across the board, whether it was in the public yes. space or private space. Perhaps right. something like that needs to be reignited. Absolutely. I, I really, I honestly believe that we need to have that reignited because somehow it seems to have just slipped. And, and if we are not the ones who are pushing for it, we cannot expect the men to be the ones that are driving it. We cannot. So we need, we need to drive and make sure that, you know, this becomes something that is seen as, as an important part of leadership again. Yeah, sometimes uh, gender quotas are regarded as controversial. They're not universally accepted. And yeah. when I have conversations with the likes of Dr. Dlamini Zuma or Geraldine Fraser Moleketi, they've both yeah. argued that it's a necessity of having those quotas in place 100%. to promote yeah. equality and then increase the ratio of women in decision-making roles. Absolutely. What's, Absolutely. what's your view to help drive behavioral change on quotas? I, I think that, 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 in fact, it seems to be the only way because, you know, when you look at black economic empowerment, you wouldn't have been able to see any black economic empowerment in the private sector without the legislation. And so I, I really believe that having the legislation there does help in terms of making sure that organizations are required to comply with that. Because it, it, it appears as if if you wait on organizations to do it themselves, it doesn't happen. And so I would most definitely be supportive of legislation that says that organizations are required to, to, to have, you know, a certain number. I mean, we have legislation now that does indicate, you know, uh, that we need to have a certain percentage of women in management positions and executive management. But I think we need, we, we need actually a, a lot more stronger legislation that people can't actually move around because, you know, so that we can have this being complied with. We absolutely need it. And what about companies taking it upon themselves? The legislation on a national level is one thing where you can yeah. have punitive effects if you are non-compliant. But perhaps yeah. companies should create their own sort of corporate governance in terms of being able to contribute to their quotas on what they're going to strive for as being responsible citizens and driving women's empowerment. So companies having their own corporate governance and setting their own own gender targets and having a, a gender agenda within their environments. But, but, if, but if that's, if, if we were, and, and I think I, I agree, I think that would be the better solution um, because then you have organizations driving it themselves as opposed to having a regulatory approach where they are required to do it because that is the regulation. But the reality is that, you know, we haven't seen any change. We haven't seen any change for the better in terms of, of women appearing as leaders. We haven't seen, you know, I would have thought that by now, 2017, that, it, 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 that we would hardly even need to have this discussion any longer. But the fact that we still have to have this discussion and we see the numbers 
not moving forward is indicative is indicative of the fact that we you know we need more of a focus on this area um, and, and and so from that perspective I would say that a legislative approach is important so one we would look at legislation and yes. because that seems to be the only way to get people to to respond and change behavior unfortunately right yeah. Given your experience in this environment and actually given your experience in the corporate environment, what else yes. do you think we need? I think that perhaps if we had, you know, some something that, you know, that indicates um, the success of those organizations which are taking the leadership of women seriously. Um, and, and, and so that people can actually see that this is not something that they're required to comply with, but actually it does have benefits. Um, so that those organizations which have women um, as leaders in the organization are celebrated. And, and some of you know, the positive aspects of having women leaders are also you know, celebrated nationally. Um, I think that perhaps then it might be something that is seen as, you know, um, and, and, you know, an area that companies, you know, would want to associate themselves with. And another area that I think is important, so we've looked at almost as a, as a macro level on companies and their benefits. But yes. I think another piece that is sometimes missing for me, and I know that today you are taking one of your, your mentees out to lunch. Yes, and she's been sitting here looking at the menu forever. <laughs> yeah. I think mentorship is incredibly yeah. important because you're helping groom individuals up so that they know what's, what to expect, how to navigate these uncharted territories. I, th- I think it is absolutely critical. And, you know, and I often say when I go to corporations that, you know, you, you don't have to be a director, a senior manager, or even a manager to, to be a good mentor. You know, you just need to be someone who is willing to spend a bit of time with a young person and, and understand what they're going through and, and help them in the issues that they face. Um, and if it's not from your own experience, it can be from things that perhaps you have read um, and sometimes it can also be from colleagues that may know better. Um, but for us to provide that support to young people so that they can be successful as leaders. And this is not something that we do for them. We're actually doing it for ourselves so that as older people, we can live in an even better, much better South Africa than we live in today. I almost think that it's a duty, a responsibility that we owe to the next generation, that as leaders, we have to give them the structure, we have to give them the support so that they can stand on our shoulders. Yes, that is absolutely correct. I agree. I agree with that. Today, we're talking to Ms. Puti Mahanyele, who is the executive chairperson of Sigma Capital. Hi, I'm Zonke Dikana, a South African Afro-Soul musician, songwriter and producer. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. 
You are listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, the African Perspective, on frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band, also available on DSTV Channel 802. Today, we're talking to Ms. Puti Mahaniele, who is the Executive Chairperson of Sigma Capital. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. In the previous segment of our conversation, Putty shared with us the value of listening to parental wisdom in terms of pursuing career choices, uh, particularly with a foundation on education in economics and going on to do her MBA. We also spoke about the importance of environment and how that shapes an individual and frames their points of reference, particularly in dealing with a competitive world, and the importance of hard work as being a founding ethic. We turned our conversation to women in leadership at executive level, lamenting that, unfortunately, in the South African context, we are still not seeing a shift in the numbers of women in executive leadership. We spoke about some of the interventions that could be possible, legislation being one of them, and a need to celebrate the success of organizations that have taken female leadership seriously. Going into the conversation now, What would be your advice to women who find themselves torn between traditional and cultural expectations of them as women, as wives, as sisters, as daughters, as mothers, how they manage their personal needs and still fulfilling traditional roles? Well, I I really think that it it comes down to, to being with the right person, having a husband who understands what you know what you need to do as well and and I think you know it, it, it's really just having a husband who is interested in, in your well-being um, in as much as they're interested in their own well-being um, and, and and so from that perspective as partners um, in, in a home um, you know I think that people need to be able to talk and and decide how they're going to be managing um, some of the home responsibilities, um, and, 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 and then getting to an agreement um, on that. Um, and particularly where, you know, I, I never had children, but I would think that particularly where children are concerned that this is something that, that is absolutely critical, um, that there's a, an, a clear understanding of who is responsible for what aspects, um, and that you work well together. But I think the most important thing is really having that good, relationship and there's open communication between you and and your husband. And I would also suggest breaking out of stereotypes of what society expects of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree completely. Dub, turning towards more of a a personal perspective, one of the questions that I ask my guests on the show who've all made tremendous achievements in their respective fields of expertise is about the factors that have contributed to their success. Because ultimately, you know, you, this is who you are today, but it took a good few years and a a lot of hard work and a journey to get you here. So if you could please share with us some of those factors which have contributed or are key drivers to your success. I think for me, the most important um, uh, contribution to, to, to my success has been what I learned from my parents. Um, and what I learned from my parents was that each and every one of us 
is here for a purpose. We're here in this world for a purpose. It, it doesn't matter if you were born from, you know, two, you know, you have two loving parents or you have one loving parent or you actually don't have any parents and you're an orphan. But the fact that you are here in this world is because you have a purpose to fulfill. And so the, the biggest issue for us, the biggest achievement that we can is by fulfilling that purpose. And purpose doesn't only lie in careers. It also lies in, in our lives. And so being a good mother, being a good wife, and you know, being good at the work that you do, whether you're a musician, you're a medical doctor, you're a business person, Whatever it is, but doing it to the best um, of, of your capabilities. So that was something that I learned from a young age from my parents. Um, and, you know, I think within my career it was also, and, and I also saw this with my parents, um, it was that culture of, of hard work, not being afraid of hard work, um, and, and, and not being afraid to put in the time required. You know, I knew that um, nothing would happen instantaneously. I always knew that it would take time and, and work um, to be able to develop certain things. And, 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 and that's worked out well for me. And, you know, ultimately what people forget is that in the work that we do, it is about the relationships that we have with people, how you impact on people and how you impact on their organization. That is something that remains with people in the long term. And so it's important that, you know, that you're able to, to leave the right message with the people that, that you interact with so that even when you're no longer there, they can remember you. Um, and, and, and so it, it really um, it, it can be very, it, I found it to, to be very, very um, important. Um, and I have seen also how, you know, this can pay back to you. I mean, when I left, Shanduka and started my own organization, the amount of corporate support that I had, I honestly, and, and I hadn't even expected it, um, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, and, you know, and, and it is all about developing relationships with people, you know, and developing relationships with people doesn't have anything to do with having personal relationships with people. It's just doing what you are supposed to do as a professional to the best of your capability. And it's working hard to achieve it. That's, that's all. Nobody, you don't have to go and visit people at home and go to everybody's birthday party and, you know, all of that. You know, you don't have to try to be the most popular person ever. It's just doing the best that you possibly can in the work that you do. You impact people in that way. And I think it's, a, it's an underrated currency, social capital. Yeah. But 100%. when it comes down to the bottom line, um, and, and thinking about it in marketing terms, you can have the functional component of the product, which is about you delivering and doing things to the best of your ability. But then there's yeah. that emotional connection of the, almost making life easier in terms of the way that things are getting done so that it is frictionless. But social absolutely. capital is is a really important factor. It is, absolutely. We've spoken about the factors yeah. of getting you to where you are today. Can yeah. you share with yeah. us a few of the pivotal moments in your life growing up? Uh, what influenced you? 
what sorry i missed that last part of the question can you share with us some of the pivotal factors or moments in your life growing up and what influenced you during that time um i think i i I was i I was influenced a lot um i've mentioned i was influenced a lot by my parents i really was um but i I was also influenced a lot uh, by my environment so my parents tried to make sure that we were protected, I guess perhaps is a way to put it, from the racist environment that we were growing up in. Um, and so they tried to create um, an environment that appeared not to be there in South Africa. <laughs> so they sent us in, in the early 80s to one of the first, um, and there was a few Catholic multiracial schools in South Africa. Um, in the 80s. Um, and so we attended one of those schools and it was an unbelievable experience, you know, because, you know, you were growing up as a little girl with other, you know, young girls um, of, you know, different colors. Um, and it, it was just wonderful to, because it, it affirmed the fact that we are all people. We are all the same people, you know. And, you know, and that there's so much more more that we have in common than what what is against each other. And certainly race is not a way in which we can differentiate amongst ourselves. And so those years were critical for me. I mean, to the extent that actually um, the teacher that I had in grade four um, is still somebody that I, I remain very good friends with now, you know, and she tells me all the time, please call me by my first name. Her name is Sandy Nix, but I still call her Mrs. Nix, (laughs) because, you know, I think with teachers, you just, you know, I don't know, and, you know, even though she was my teacher from primary school, I still, you know, I I still see her as, you know, as somebody that I refer to as as Mrs. Nix, I can't call her um, Sandy, but it's just the impact that she had um, on my life, and what I remember learning from her was the ability to stand in front of people that I didn't know or even people that I knew, and to give a speech or to give a poem or anything that I, you know, recite a poem or whatever the case was. Um, But I gained that confidence through the knowledge and the experience that I had with Mrs. Nix. And at the time, it was the worst thing. I I would think, my goodness, what is this teacher doing? Or what did I ever do to her? (laughs) I thought she hated me. (laughs) But it was only years on, years later, and, you know, when I was working, that I realized, what a significant impact it had had on me. Um, and, and, and so I've stayed in touch with her. And, you know, it, it, I think we come across people who make an impact in our lives from an early age. And it's so important that we're able to continue to be, you know, engaged in one way or another with those people um, and, and to continue to engage with other people um, and, and, and so from that perspective, it brings on again the importance of mentoring because in as much as you receive so much, you need to also be able to impart a lot of that knowledge. I think that's a wonderful story, the, the sentiments that you've got there, the building up of confidence, which is so important for young women, to, especially in later years in yeah. life. And yeah. the fact that we have to keep learning. It doesn't stop. We are unfortunately running out of time. 
So if I could please ask you to share a few words of inspiration as we close out the show, which you'd like to pass on to young women who are listening to us on the continent. What I would say to all the young women who are listening to us is to always remember that each and every one of us, whether you can see or not see or walk or not walk, aided and or not aided, whatever the case may be, whether you've been born from two parents or you were born into a family but you don't have a mother and a father, biological mother and a father, the reason that you are here is because you have a specific purpose. And what this world needs is for you to have the courage to live out that purpose. Thank you for that wonderful message. It's been a great pleasure having you on the show. We really appreciate your time. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Ms. Puti Mahaniele, who is the Executive Chairperson of Sigma Capital.